Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome everyone back to another exciting story on the Story Box today. My guest, my friends, is none other than the number one New York Times bestselling author multiple times over, uh, an award-winning producer, motivational speaker. He's world-renowned for that actually. His name is Devon Franklin. He serves as president and CEO of Franklin Entertainment, a dynamic multimedia entertainment company with a first look film deal at Paramount Pictures, as well as a second look film deal at Netflix, and an overall deal at CBS TV Studios. He's got a pretty incredible story. The man has inspired many, many people with his inspirational films that have grossed well over $175 million at the box office with the most recent hits, including Breakthrough, starring uh, Chrissy Metz and the, the Star, which is from Sony Pictures, and Miracles from Heaven, uh, which is from Sony Pictures again. Uh, Franklin Entertainment has several projects in development currently, including Flaming Hot, the true story of the creation of Flaming Hot Cheetos, uh, which is an interesting title as well, and Daring to Live, which is from Paramount Pictures, the true story of how four black women went um, on extreme adventures to overcome their greatest fears in life. Variety Magazine named Devon as one of the top 10 producers to watch. Ebony Magazine has distinguished him as one of the top 100 influential African-Americans in America. And Oprah has called him a difference, uh, a different kind of spiritual teacher for our times. Imagine getting that uh, kind of recommendation from Oprah and uh, Ebony Magazine as well as Variety as well. In addition to his work as a producer, Devon is the author of multiple best-selling books, including The Truth About Men, which I've read. It's a great read. The, Se- the Success Commandments and The Weight, which was co-written with his wife, award-winning actress Megan Good. His other book is produced by Faith and his fifth book, which has been highly anticipated. It's called Live free, exceed your highest expectations. It's released right now as you're listening to this episode. So go and get a copy. I highly encourage you to do that. I had a digital copy and I've been, I got halfway through it and trust me, 
my goodness, mind blown. Now we, in this conversation, we actually get to talking about a lot of stuff revolving around his book, how we were able to live free in our life. Is that truly possible? Uh, there's a couple of sections in, in his book, which is quite fascinating. So you're going to have to go and pick it up to read more about it. But I did my very best in this conversation, my friends. So if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and family. I really hope that it does help someone out there uh, that might be struggling with uh, living free in their own life. Um, and, and I have no doubt that Devon will be able to help set you free uh, in some way or another. You can watch the full uh, conversation now over on YouTube. Links are all in the show notes below. But please uh, leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as well. Don't forget to subscribe and thank you all so much for continuing to show up and help out and to continue to build the Storybox community. Really grateful for each and every one of you. So you know what time it is, my friends. It is time to freely dive into this Storybox and listen to the story and the advice and wisdom of none other than Devon Franklin. Oh, thank you so much, man. Listen, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Jay. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, man, thank you so much for, for making the time. You're, you're in New Mexico, I believe. You're producing a movie, yep. which is pretty exciting. You yep. have your new book coming out. You're doing press. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. How yeah. in the world do you find the time, man? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I, I just kind of, it's like a smoothie, a schedule smoothie. You just put it all in there and mix it up and, <laughs> and do the best you can. So, you know, I, I'm very passionate about everything that I do. And I just try to prioritize accordingly. Mm, how do you feel during this period of time in your life? Uh, I'm feeling good. I feel really optimistic. I feel very blessed. I feel um, strong. You know, I feel, um, you know, I feel good. Mm. I've been uh, quite encouraged by you do you do quite a few Instagram videos where you're doing prayer. And yeah. I myself, I'm a Christian. I, I don't have to say oh, that. So I've, I've been I've been blessed by your your prayer videos and mm. specifically what you're praying for in those videos. Yeah. You're praying for people. Yeah. And I think we we need that as a society today. Um, but that's not one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you today. <laughs> uh, the first question okay. that I officially want to ask you to sort of begin this conversation is, Devon, you've written actually you've written a book on success, but I've always been curious, having looked at success now in your life, what does it look like for you? You know, success, I, I've always defined success as peace, you know, so so what it looks like for me is the things that bring me the most peace is when I feel like I'm the most purposeful, you know, and that purpose is directly connected to operating in my gifts. So the more that I can operate in my, you know, my gifts of communicating and, <clears throat> you know, producing and, and um, you know, encouraging and inspiring, uh, the more I feel purposeful, the more I feel at peace and the more I feel successful. So that's really what success is to me. Mm. Have you ever struggled in your life to create this life where you do have inner peace? And more specifically, what does inner peace really look like? Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote, you know, my book, uh, my new book, Live Free, because there have been times where I've struggled with that inner peace, you know, and that struggle to inner peace 
is is all about like wrestling with what I'm expecting and what reality is delivered and you know where God is and in the process and you know being frustrated at times and so the because I have always wanted that inner peace and sometimes that inner peace has been elusive it's why I started to analyze my own expectations and started to realize oh wow I've got to learn how to set my expectations because when I do that it actually will allow me to be more successful internally it'll help me have more peace instead of just you know, having all of these unmanaged expectations. So yes, for sure, I have struggled with finding that internal peace. And it's something that I work at uh, consistently. So why do you think that someone like myself or someone that uh, is actually struggling with their own inner peace? Why do you think that is the case? You know, it's a lot of reasons, but, but I think one of the reasons why is because we have things we want we, we, there are things we want that we don't have, mm. you know, there's a certain thing, place we want to be in life that we're not, uh, you know, we, we have all these visions of what life was supposed to be. And then we open our eyes and the reality doesn't line up with the vision. Uh, it's usually the reason why there's no inner peace is there's a, a difficulty in bridging the gulf between what we hoped and what, where we are, you know, what we expected and reality. You know, and that is where that that struggle for inner peace to me um, lives because it's hard to find it when you don't see what it is you want to see and you don't have what it is you want to have and you don't feel like you are who you really want to be. Mm. So how does that also align with a person's purpose and your your values as an individual? And also, your do you need to have a a sense of faith in your life to live this this free and peaceful life um well you know definitely i mean i think faith is a critical element uh and that element is to have the belief independent of the reality and so you know in in the book you know when i talk about living free my definition of living free is to not be under the mental emotional or physical control of anyone or anything <clears throat> that's when we live free so when I live free, it means I choose how I feel. Mm. And so to your point about purpose and faith, okay, great. I can be in purpose, you know, living in purpose and still have things that I want to see happen. And they're not in my reality, but because I have faith over those things, it gives me a peace to keep moving in purpose with the belief and the trust that the very things that, you know, I'm praying for, that someone may be praying for, or will manifest in their time. Mm. So how did you become a person of faith? Man, you know, I was raised in the church um, and, you know, my father died when I was nine years old. Wow. Uh, he died of a heart attack when he was 36 and I'm the middle child of three boys. And so that experience for me was um, very traumatic and, um, you know, it really shaped so much of, of my upbringing and kind of who I am. And, you know, I remember very young, you know, just hearing the voice of the Lord and hearing the call. And uh, man, I think I probably got baptized, you know, nine or 10 years old. Um, and I was, was very like, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, I wanted to, you know, give my life to Christ and and have been, you know, recommitting every day ever since. Uh, so it really, I really came to, to, I mean, I was in the faith and in church, but really came to Christ um, because at a very early age, I just, I knew that I wanted to, uh, you know, it just made, sense you know made sense and i wanted to dedicate my life 
um, to being a follower of Christ and, and, and really being a demonstration of, of what's power, what's possible, mm-hmm. you know, for Christians, especially, you know, I've been in Hollywood for 25 years and, and a lot of people didn't think that it was possible for Christians to find success and, you know, and, and um, thankfully, you know, I've been an example to so many that that's not true. Mm. You've been an example to me now. I don't know if you can see in my back wall, but I've got all these film posters and books and oh, I can see back to the future. That's about all I can recognize here. Back to the future. I've got unbroken there. I've got jaws. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, the yeah. princess bride, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Um, I've got Schindler's list up there too. I so I've see got, that. I've got all these, all these movies, right. And Jake's book and Russell Brand, it looks like, or Matthew McConaughey. It's Matthew McConaughey. It's Woman Evolve uh, with Sarah Jakes Roberts, who's a guest on the show as well. Um, And Man Man Enough from Justin Baldoni. Uh, Oh, Man Enough, Justin. Yeah, he's a good good dude. He's a really good good dude, man. Um, Unreal, unreal personality. (laughs) Very present, very genuine. But the reason why, like I I was going to say, for, for you, like I wanted to go into Hollywood. I wanted to be a Christian filmmaker. I wanted to make Christian movies. And it was kind of inspirational to see someone like yourself, Devon, that it's in the field and you do make a, a huge difference. Mm. So that for me was was uh, inspirational, you know, looking at that. It's like this is possible, so you can do it. But one of the things that I did want to go back on and and sort of ask you is your father died at age nine and you mentioned that sort of shaped um, your world. How did yep. it shape your world? What what did you learn? And did you ever question God at all why he took your father away so early? Um, you know, at that at that age, no, I didn't. It was just, these it was just a fact. Mm. You know, like, okay, this is what's happened. And um how am I going to deal with it? I really, I really at that time didn't have any question. I mean, as I've gotten older, you know, I've kind of asked it more from a curiosity standpoint, not an anger or like, how could you never, not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, and it shaped me, you know, in ways that I talk about in the book, you know, I talk about, you know, in the book about this, this, um, the creation of this persona owner that I had to, to wrestle with of being perfect, perfect, called Mr. Perfect, you know, and coming out of my death of my father and trying to find my place, I started to find my place through achievement. So the more I would excel at school, the more I would excel at church, I would get that, you know, pat on the back and, oh, good job. And so I started to live for the performance. I started to, you know, achieve like, oh, wow, you know, I want to be the best and there's nothing wrong with that. But people started in middle school, people started calling Mr. Perfect. And at first I'm like, oh, okay, great. That's great. You know, I'm Mr. Perfect and I do everything right and great. And then as I got older, I realized, man, that's a prison because nobody's perfect. And so I felt like I was trying to live up to this image and creating an image and a persona. And so I got to the point where, you know, I just had to, I had to, first of all, find the value in myself instead of looking for it in the approval of others. That's first and foremost. The second thing is I had to say, you know what? I'm not perfect, you know, and Jesus was the only one that was perfect. And uh, and let me, you know, stop trying to act like something I'm not and be OK with being who I am and live life. Mm-hmm. And as I started to do that, um, it really has helped me, you know, come into my own uh, and, and be able to process the tragedy of losing my father in a, in a different way, in a way I think that's healthier um, and understand 
understanding, you know, that that um, the way I was going about filling that void through the praise of everybody was it, 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 it was well intended, but it, but it was uh, harmful. So I really had to put that to rest. I really had to, you know, as I talk about in the book, you know, rest in per rest in peace, Mr. Perfect. I had to say, man, and I can't do that no more. And so in the process of doing it, I, I live freer. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not too worried about what people think or feel or whatnot. And, um, and it took some time for me to get there um, because, because, you know, dealing with the tragedy and, and the emotion around, you know, just death. I mean, just, you know, being that young and experiencing death that close, uh, I just didn't know how to process it. I, I, it took me a very long time to put it into context uh, and understand what it meant. Mm. I lost my my grandfather. I think I was eleven, eleven or twelve, wow. and like it's not it's not anything like losing a father, but losing my grandfather and I were like this. Were like he was my biggest mentor, biggest one of my biggest supporters. You name it. And I didn't understand why God took him away from me. I was like, you know, cause he ended up becoming a Christian, <clears throat> excuse me, towards the end of his life. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, why would God take away someone so precious to me? And then I sort of trapped myself in this vicious cycle of, of it was mental abuse of Christians, like you know why why this why that and it happened for months and you know it wasn't until later on did i finally realize hey this was for a purpose this was to to this was for my benefit not for my detriment and i needed to realize that and i needed to set myself free my own my own mental state free and a lot of people they sort of they get trapped when a when a traumatic experience like death sure. comes in their way, um, which I, I appreciate you talking about because I, I love that yeah, chapter. It's a powerful chapter, um, and especially how you're talking about you know Mister Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right, man. Exactly, man. I'm I, I'm trying to kill that. I I really am not trying to put that out there. I promise you, I'm not. But. Mate, I can I can relate to that on so many levels. <laughs> like the idea of perfectionism, like we all want it to be a certain way. Like if yeah. it's not, then we then we get angry. We have all these sort of emotions that build oh. up inside of us when it's not the exact perfect way we want it to be. So to That's speak. Right. Um, so how do we for someone that is going through that in their life, like it, it's easy for us to say, you know. Let's get rid of it. But what are some practical strategies that we can put in place to remove the Mr. Perfect or, you know, the perfectionistic nature? Well, that's why I wrote, you know, Live Free. That's why I wrote this book, because mm -hmm. it's all about learning the power of setting expectations. And so in order to kind of deal with perfectionism, you got to learn how to set expectations. And in the book, I talk about in order to set expectations, you have to ask two questions about any expectation that you have. One, is it realistic or unrealistic? How do you know? Mm. Is it in your control? If it's not in your control, then it's not realistic to expect. Two, is it spoken or unspoken? Does the expectation need to be communicated? And a lot of times we have expectations of other people and we never asked them, we never communicated it, we never gave them a chance to say yes or no, 
but we act as if we talk to them and had a conversation and then we treat them badly if they don't do it. Those are called unset expectations. And so that's the process of setting expectations. So if you're dealing with perfectionism, you got to say, okay, well, why? Because, oh, I have an unset expectation. I'm expecting things out of myself that are unrealistic. Mm. I'm expecting things out of myself when, you know, trying to control, you know, things are out of my control instead of having an understanding and peace about what you can control. And then also when things are uncommunicated, you know, like, so when we talk about perfectionism and you, let's say you apply that to a professional situation and you want a promotion and you're doing all the work, you know, to be completely perfect, right? Then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm here doing this on this job, but I never, I never asked my boss. If I do this, will this lead to a promotion? You know, what are the, is there room for me to be promoted, right? So we start to make all of these assumptions in our head. You know, and as a result, we end up sometimes devastated when things don't come to pass. That's why I wrote this book. So the readers have the tips and tools on how to set expectations as a way to mitigate things like perfectionism uh, and anything that keeps you back from being who you are. What was one thing for you, or one truth specifically that you discovered about yourself that sort of surprised you while writing this book? You know, one of the truths that, that surprised me was I had a lot to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shoot. Uh, you know, I mean, it, I was like, wow, I, I have a lot of opinions on expectations. I, I was surprised by that. And then I was also surprised that there were so many things in my life that um, were disrupted because I had unset expectations. You know, I mean, it was just like, wow. I, you know, my 30th birthday, I spent it upset because, um, you know, I wasn't, this is, I mean, it sounds so trivial to say it, but in the moment it was like everything, but in my 30th birthday, you know, I was upset because I wasn't vice president of production. At the time I was working for uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't vice president of production. And I was like, oh my God, you know, you know I'm a failure, right? Mm -hmm. And then I look back, I'm like, it doesn't, it just was ridiculous putting that ridiculous expectation on myself. And then when I became vice president, nothing changed. It was the same life. And it's like, we put these arbitrary <clears throat> benchmarks on our life. And then we judge ourselves when we don't hit them. And as if, as if the world makes a judgment about who we are, they don't, they don't. Nobody even half the time knows how old you are or aren't. Mm. So we are, we clock those things that, that really don't matter. And then we make these arbitrary, incorrect judgments about ourselves. So I learned that um, expectations really have robbed me of a lot of moments. And um, I really want to go going forward. I need to get those moments back by being more present, um, you know, releasing any expectation that I don't need and setting those that remain. What's the biggest expectation for you that you want this book to, to do or be? Yeah, I mean, you know, my biggest hope for the book is that it, it touches as many lives as possible. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've already begun to see some of the um, impact of of the message, right? Because see, it's really more than a book for me; it's a message, mm. and I've begun to see the impact of the message. And I think everyone, in some way, struggles with expectations. So my hope for this book is that the message of the book <clears throat> reaches as many people as possible. You know, I really want to reach as many people as possible because I don't believe that most people are living free. You know, I believe that 
Most people are living based upon somebody else's expectation of their life. So most people are living in a way where they're performing for everyone else's approval, but at the expense of what they really wanna do, where they really wanna live, who they really wanna be with, what school they really want to attend. So as a result, they're not actually living their life. It's the equivalent of like, hey, this, you come into the earth, this is the vehicle that's available to you. It's, it's completely suited for you. It's custom made, right? And then you say, or I say, oh, no, I'm gonna go over and cram myself into this car, which is made for somebody else's life. And we're trying to fit into that. Mm. It's like, why are we uncomfortable? Because we're not actually in the vehicle for our life that we're supposed to be. So my greatest hope was that people would get the message and that they would start to live free. That they would start to change their life. They would start to have some difficult conversations and they would stop meeting everyone else's expectation if it's not an expectation of their choosing. Mm. The book is, is a fascinating read. Now, I haven't read the whole book, I have to admit, but I've read most of it. And it's separated into, which I found interesting, it's separated into, I think, four different yeah. parts, main yeah. parts. And yeah. then you've got many little segments within that uh, with, with little titles in there, which I found quite interesting. Was that always the plan for you? Going no, no. I mean, I, I started with this big concept of expectations, like, you know, and then, and then as I started getting in it, I was like, okay, I, it's such a sprawling concept that I had to start, um, you know, organizing my principles and organizing my thought process, which is why I put them in the four categories I think affect this most personal, cultural, relational, and uh, professional. Hmm. Was it actually hard for you to structure your thoughts during that whole process? Oh my goodness. Very hard. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, it's not enough just to have a point. You have to support it. And you got to make sure that there's a flow and there's a thought process from the first chapter all the way through the last. So yeah, it was hard. Probably one of the hardest books I've ever had to structure. Wow, man. Yeah. So if I was, if I was to get uh, a physical copy of your book, like uh, just a regular person would and open it up to any particular part in the book, chapter, page, whatever, that is going to give me a challenge or a new perspective or even the most out of the book, which page, chapter would you recommend that I turn to first? Yeah, I think the best uh, in terms of that would be page 175. There, uh, I have a love affirmation on page 175, mm. which is, is you know, the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, everyone wants to focus on the neighbor part, but very few people focus on the self part. Mm. Why don't we love our neighbor well? Because we don't actually love ourselves very well. And so I wrote a love affirmation to help any reader fall more in love with themselves and to value who they were created to be and to and to become the love that 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 they want to receive now you know and that affirmation um you know i've already released it online and released it socially and it's got a lot of traction and you know people are really really um finding it and so you know that that probably i would say would be the the page and the moment in the book that comes to mind that i believe anyone who reads it will mm. absolutely be impacted by it mm. You have a, a, a part, which is the relational part, which you actually talk about uh, living free within relationships. What does it actually mean? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it, it means that uh, in my experience, uh, people allow uh, their relationship to control their emotions. And if the person that they're with is doing the things that they want, then they're happy. And if they're not, then they're not, right? And, uh, and so often, you know, in a relationship, 
relationship, most people are looking for the other person to make them happy. And when you live free, and I talk about this in the book, when you live free, you make yourself happy. You are the responsible for it. You are responsible for your happiness, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. And bring that happiness to your relationship and you allow your partner to contribute happiness to you, but you don't allow your partner to be the keeper of your happiness and the creator of your happiness. That's what it means to live free. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with love, but the challenge is that some, in, in my experience and what I have observed in a relationship, people make love their God. Mm. And I'm not talking about God as love. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm saying the, the relationship, the love, the marriage, that becomes the God. So whatever the marriage or the partner wants, that's that's the God they serve. And, and that is great as long as the partner is doing and going the places you want to do and go. But when the partner wants to do something different, you know, then it becomes much more challenging. So mm-hmm. I wrote this, this book and wrote that particular section to give everyone a perspective on how to have healthier relationships, how to have more successful a more successful love life, uh, because that all starts internally. Mm. So speaking about love, I've always been curious, what do you love the most about your wife? Um, man, you know, I love, love her, her individuality. You know, I just love the fact that she is who she is. And, you know, and that's a blessing, man. It's, it's not easy. I mean, I'm using this book uh, as a way to really motivate people and help people to find their truth and their freedom and, um, and to become who they, they are. And so, you know, when I look at my wife, I really admire her, her ability to do that already. What do you love the most about yourself? <laughs> man, listen, I, I love that I'm, you know, completely, completely committed. You know, I'm committed to this thing. You know, it's like, man, I, anytime I want to quit, I just can't quit. You know, I just, I, I, I am committed to my calling. I'm committed to doing everything I can to make a positive impact in this earth, man. And, you know, and, I, and that's, you know, I, I love that. You know, I love that because, um, you know, uh, some days that commitment is hard, but I love that I stay committed to the commitment, even in the face of great challenges. Mm, I love that, man. So <laughs> you, you also you also talk about, because commitment is very rare, right? Like you don't see many men, especially in today's society, commit to not only themselves, but a project or their wife. That's why we've got so much divorce happening. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's issues and all that sort of stuff, but I think if we really committed to communicate better, committed to, you know, our faith more and not just be so all over the place, like waves, you know, or just moving with the tide, I think if we really stood firm, then we could see a great change happen. Yeah. And yep. That's what I believe, at least. Yeah, I, I feel I that. Agree with like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm part of the. If I say something, I'm going to damn well go for it. I'm committed to it. <laughs> you know, exactly, like, exactly, man. I feel you. I'm the same way. So hey, we're 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 definitely uh, rolling in the same direction on that one. Kindred spirits, man. <laughs> um, couple more questions for you, if you don't mind, my man. Like this one, you you actually have this this part in the book, which I found quite interesting. Let's talk about sex. And you've, you've already, you had a book out, which actually talked about sex within marriage, waiting for, for, for marriage before you actually have sex. Now I'm curious about this, this whole notion, this could be a completely ridiculous question to ask, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway. Should we all be free to have sex outside of marriage? Cause I'm sure society would, would, agree with me on that one or is it better to wait 
and have sex within marriage freely and how would we explain this whole concept to someone that doesn't believe this um explain which concept <laughs> the living free uh with sex the whole it should yeah <laughs> if i explain it correctly yeah. yeah you know everybody has to go on their journey and this to me is where you know uh communities of faith um get it wrong mm. meaning you know i do believe that there is tremendous value in waiting to have sex until marriage and i can share my story and you know, point to other stories and point to research and statistics about why I believe that, point to, you know, scripture, so on and so forth, but everybody's got to go on their journey. So everyone has to be free to hear that and then sort that out for themselves. You know, so often there's this thing of like, oh, you know, you can't do or you shouldn't do. Well, wait, everyone's got to go on their journey. I can share you share with you what works on my journey. I can share with you what I believe you know, we can find in the word, but then every individual is given the power of choice. You know, just speaking spiritually, just quickly, you go back to the Garden of Eden. You know, God says, listen, there's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have the whole garden. You can't eat that. There are some, you know, that believe, and I do believe that, that well, why would they put, why would God put the tree there? Mm. Because can you love someone independent of a choice to? So from the very beginning, we were given choice, right? So why is it now when we're talking about living life, you know, especially people in communities of faith want to try to, you know, rob people of their choice. So my point of view is I believe there's value in waiting until marriage, yet I believe everyone has to find and make that choice for themselves, you know? And so when you are living free and you're talking about being single and, and having sex, and I talk about this in the book. You know, one of the things about sex is that, you know, sex is a, is, is a, is a, is an activity that outside of love and outside of commitment, even inside of love and commitment, but let's just talk about that for a minute. It can become a very addictive in a way where it, the, doing the activity then gives, it controls you. Mm. So when I talk about living free, it means that you're not under the mental, physical, or emotional control of anyone or anything. What controls people what imprisons people sex so a lot of people then manipulate their whole life you know or their situations to get it to get it from people that they don't care about to you know just to have it in times when they feel like having it like with no regard for themselves or the person from which they're getting it you know and so you have to think about okay well how much pain has been inflicted on people that takes those people a lifetime to impact because they did not know up front that all this was going to be with sex so if somebody was not convicted to wait until marriage and they wanted to, you know, apply the live free principles, what I would say is one, be upfront with whoever you're dating and set their expectations. If all you want is sex, then tell them that and give them the, oh, the opportunity to say yes or no to that. But don't become a manipulator. Mm -hmm. don't, don't become somebody who has a secret agenda and then you, you know, you, you end up you know, selling someone a bill of goods that there's more here when ultimately all it was about was the sex. And then once you're tired with sex, you break up with them. They're left with a broken heart and you go on to the next. That's not living free. Give them the opportunity to say, yes, fine. If all you want is sex, cool, let's go. That's, that's all I want too. 
or I'm okay with that. Give that adult the ability to say yes. Don't turn yourself into a manipulator, you know, and then be willing to deal with whatever repercussions come from that emotionally, spiritually, physically. If you are taking the choice, making the choice to have it, then be accountable, responsible for all that comes with it. So these, this is how I would answer that question. This is how I would help somebody navigate these principles. Mate, I swear you're teasing me to ask you more and more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, man, I wish we had more time, you know? Yeah, same Dude, here, man, same it's here. It's very tight. <laughs> so, I've got, man, I've got, two, two. I've got I've got two quick final questions. Okay, quick, and I'll uh, be quick. So this one, okay, when in your life, when you least expected God to show up in a big way, has he shown up in a big way for you? Um, you know, on a, you know, not, I mean, recently there was a situation where I had a, a deal on a movie and, um, you know, the deal was made years ago and it was not reflective of my current value, but you know, the deal was made years ago. What can I do? So, and then I got a call out of the blue that, um, out of the blue that, um, you know, my deal was going to be increased by 50%, you know, didn't ask for it, didn't pray for it, nothing just was operating in my purpose. And God said, I got you. So, you know, that was a moment that happened uh, not that long ago where I'm like, man, God, you're amazing. You showed up in a huge way. <laughs> yeah, that, that is one heck of a story. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Trust me, man. That's it. That's God. That's God, man. Dude, that is so cool. Um, okay. My, my final question for you, Devon, this is my all time favorite question. Uh, ask everyone at the end, so it's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. Oh, man. Um, you know, what I wanted to say, I mean, you know, there's that scripture that says, you know, well done, mm. you know, good and faithful servant. So that, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, can you come back, uh, at, um, about an hour? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, man. Mexico. So we can probably edit that out. Um, um, uh, so well done, my good and faithful servant is uh, what comes to mind. And my hope is, is that, um, you know, my intent to impact people in a positive way, that, that intent was realized. And my hope is that that movie would show me and others uh, the unknown impact on so many people. Uh, you know, it's one thing to know your impact and for people to express it via social media or when they see you, or you can see the you know, the fruits of, of, of my labor or your labor based upon metrics and how a movie may do so on and so forth. But to see the unexpected or the, the unknown impact on individuals, that's something I would hope that uh, a movie like that would feature. Definitely a movie that I would watch for sure. <laughs> Devon, <laughs> man. One of you. <laughs> what was that, sorry? No, I said that you said that's a movie that you would watch. I said that makes one of us <laughs> or one of you. <laughs> that's true. Very true, man. <laughs> but uh, Devon, man, where can people find you, connect with you, buy a new book, man? Man, yeah, listen, uh, you can find me at Devon Franklin on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Devon Franklin Official on Facebook. 
you can also come to my website at devonfranklin.com and you know we have a great community there and a lot of free resources for anyone listening uh, to be able to help you in every aspect of your journey. So Devon Franklin, thank you so much for your time today, man. Your story, your wisdom, your advice. I hope people, I hope this book goes wild. New York Times bestselling author. It's going to happen again. Trust me. But thank you for coming on the Storybox right. podcast, man. Thank you, Jake, man. I appreciate you, man. God bless you, man. God bless you as you keep doing what you're doing. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.